0: A weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
1: You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
2: Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hello, my friends, and thank you for joining me for another episode. It's been quite an exciting week here for me. I was so excited to find out that the documentary about my unexpected transition from Navy commander to medium, uh, Messages of Hope is its name as well, is now on Amazon Prime. It just was in the works for a while. We thought it would take months and months if it ever happened at all. And suddenly there it is live. And so I thank so many of you who have watched it and written a beautiful reviews on Amazon and are, are really taking the messages to heart. So if you haven't seen it yet, please go to Amazon prime and just search for messages of hope. And also they announced uh, my new course with the shift network uh, just in the last week. And you can register for that. Now, if you're interested, eight weeks starting December 2nd, every Wednesday, live with me for, Uh, wonderful sessions and how to communicate soul to soul. So go to my website and right there at the top of the page is uh, a link where you can register and find out more information. So today's show is actually going to be a completely different topic than I've covered in the almost three years I've been doing this show. And you may wonder why, and I'll tell you why. We're going to be talking to Beverly Hamilton, whose husband Ulf passed after having Alzheimer's I have brought through quite a few souls on the other side who pass with Alzheimer's and let me tell you they always come through completely clear-headed of course because the challenges were in the physical body and we are so much more than our physical bodies so of course once they no longer have that body acting as a filter they're just back to being able to communicate perfectly clearly and and enjoy uh, full cognizance of what's going on well the reason this topic is very interesting to me is because I actually wrote a book called The Real Alzheimer's, and people say, do you know somebody who had that disease? And I didn't, but one of our neighbors back in Florida came up to me and said, Suzanne, you need to write a book about Alzheimer's, and I, her name was Rev, and I said, Rev, I know nothing about this. I'm the last person that should write a book about Alzheimer's, but she was the caregiver for our dear neighbor who uh, had a pretty bad case of Alzheimer's. And I said, surely there's somebody else can write this book. She said, no, I need somebody who can write from the heart and that's you. And somebody needs to write a book for the caregivers to let them know how to deal with being a caregiver. And what she said changed my mind completely. She told me that, caregivers more often than not pass before the person with Alzheimer's from the stress of being a caregiver. My jaw dropped when I heard that and I knew she was right. I know how to write and I can write from the heart. And I ended up interviewing 21 couples who were dealing with that. 21 caregivers and their partner. I had interviewed uh, uh, some professionals as well in the field and wrote a book for the caregivers to know what to expect and how to get support. And it's uh, it's a hard book to read because it's not, not a positive experience at all. So how do you find the light in that? Well, today's show is going to be filled with light. I have never read a book like Beverly Hamilton's book. It's called Our Timeless Year, Miracles of Love Lighten the Clouds of Dementia. And it's because her husband actually expressed his spirituality and his awareness of the greater reality throughout that year in a way I've never seen before and it so touched my heart and I know that there are a lot of you out there going through this or know somebody who's going through this or you have gone through this dealing with a loved one who has Alzheimer's so I hope that something you hear here today inspires you and even if you don't have any connection with Alzheimer's. I know the spiritual side of this conversation will certainly touch your heart. So, Beverly Hamilton, thank you for being on the show.
1: Well, g- glad to be here. Glad to share.
2: That was a long introduction. But uh, <laughs> you actually went through a life-threatening illness yourself when you were younger, didn't you?
1: Yeah, in uh, '64. Uh I, number one, I was writing essays on identity. How did we get here? I didn't have any particular religious uh, tradition. So I was just, my mind, I kept writing essays. And one time I wrote, What am I going to write on today? Oh, I'm going to write an essay on death. Three days later, I doubled over in pain, had cancer, the kidney, and a year to live. Wow. And and my essay is on my website, which is ourtimelessyou.com. And it was like, I death says, be comfortable in my presence. Your rejection of me saddens, for it's not of me, but life. You've taken my gift of the unknown and translated me to represent all your fears. Lurking in the dark corners of your ignorance and da-da-da-da. You know, I went on. But... uh, Uh, And I thought, you know, I wrote about this. (laughs) Do you know, since I wrote that and had that and given that, I did not have one ounce of fear. That's incredible. You take fear fear out of anything and you're going to have a different experience.
2: And here you are to talk about it after giving, after having been given one year to (laughs)
1: live. Wow. Exactly.
2: Here I am still. And still teaching people about how to not fear death and not fear the challenges that come. Now, what I found very fascinating is that when you met Ulf, and I need to spell that for people, it's U-L-F. That is a Scandinavian name, right? Yeah, yeah, Swedish. Swedish, okay. So when you met Ulf, you were actually closely involved with the people who wrote and published The Course in Miracles. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. did that become something the two of you shared through your married life, the Course in Miracles?
1: Well, it's only because I I kind of came upon it when it was the very first um, little printing. Jerry Jampolsky gave me a co- gave me a copy, and and I met Helen and Bill at Columbia. Uh, and not, Helen and Bill, for those who don't know them, would you explain who they are? Yeah, Bill, that's uh, Helen Schuckman is the one who channeled the Course. And she and Bill Thetford were professors at Columbia University, and they did this for, like, five or six years, and all secret, secret. And so, uh, because this came totally unexpected, but when I had met Judy out in California, I was living in California, and so she had said, oh, um, uh, you know, I and I'd met her, and she had moved out here, and and Helen and Bill came out, and we'd kind of sit around and chat about what is this about, where is it going. And and uh, it, it, they were so authentic that, to me, gave credibility to the words and the course.
0: Uh, who and is
2: Judy? It, is that Gerald Jempalski's?
1: No. Who is Judy? Judy Scutch is uh, the publisher of the course. And
0: oh, okay, okay.
1: Mary Jampolsky uh, married Diane Cicerone. And so okay. they, um, but they were, um, you know, they were all like a big family. And
2: Yeah, and so I need to mean, interrupt you there for a second because those who may not recognize the name, Gerald Jampolsky, I remember reading his book, Love is Letting Go of Fear, years ago. So he was one of the original big names in transformational uh, books and teaching.
1: Exactly, and, and even before that, uh, He started what is called the Center for Attitudinal Healing. And that he would get, he was a psychiatrist, he'd get families together who had a child who had a terminal illness. And they'd get the families together and all and have the kids play. And uh, anyway, it went around the world, you know. But Jerry, uh, in fact, he did the foreword for my book. You know, I know
2: that's yeah. wonderful, and you are—you yeah. were a child therapist for years, so let's give you credit there
1: too. Well, yeah, and the thing is, though, I wasn't a talk therapist. I always did things different, out of the box, like like art therapy. I, I worked with Fritz Perls, who created Gestalt therapy, uh, and I integrated that. And my sense is. When I look back, and all these kids had been labeled, and I was in treatment centers, hospitals, you know, different places, but I never did talk therapy, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I always, and and as I looked, one of the main things is I saw beyond their label, the Mm -hmm. negative label, the identity, and somehow that must have communicated. I know, uh, you know, and. In your uh, daily way, yesterday I think it was uh, on harmony, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that's what I felt. I felt connected. I felt there was a harmony, like we're all in this together, so to speak. And wow! Later, and I know
2: the kids must have felt that
1: exactly. And years later, that they'd come to see me in San Francisco, and they said, "Beverly, you never saw us as different."
2: Wow. And, and I'm sitting and, here yeah. thinking about all of how often yeah. when people have dementia, they become more childlike. So you had a yeah. special way of dealing with him that I know was a blessing to him.
1: Well, what happened is I, you know, I, and the reason I was saying about my journey with the kids uh, that I worked with professionally in all shapes and sizes and all is. I took that, and nobody ever taught me, it. you know, how to look past the uh, their identity. And so identity became a big theme for me. So when, uh, like, who are we? How did we come in? How did we create ourselves and stuff? And so when I, when Ulf started going through his situations, you know, you know, I think I did the same thing with him. I I didn't see him as a label. I saw him as going through some sort of transition. We all go through transitions. Wow. And certainly I was going through a transition because, you know, life wasn't like it used to be. Right. And I think the more willing we are to just flow with it and not think that something terrible is happening, But I always looked like it, like looking for pearls in the desert. You find the beauty in the quote-unquote pandemics like we're going through. But you find the beauty in the transformation because in transformation is often where the opportunities are for us to shed our identity. And identities it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. There, it's a way we have of separating ourselves from each other. You know, I'm worse than you, or I'm better than you, or whatever. And and it's so. My sense is with with all, I was able to say, okay, you're going through your, um, uh, you know, and and as I will later go through some specifics of how how we did our back and forth with this. And but it was I think it's really important for us to realize that even now, see, look how many people's life is changing dramatically yeah. without their inviting it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The more I think we can realized that th- this is a classroom. We're all here to learn something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like I learned, it, uh, learned from death or I learned from these kids who had been labeled. They taught me more about mm-hmm. the, the waking up process of who, and I put a couple of examples in my book of a couple of the kids I worked with. And, uh, that I used Gestalt with or art therapy, and what they came up came from their heart. Hmm. It was nothing I did. I just gave them the the paper and the crayons, <laughs> yeah. and and that's the main thing is that it opened their own heart to whatever is. And I think it's letting go of our identity all the time of whoever we think we are at any one moment because you know the course in a sense calls that our ego and our ego our identity can be a block to the light within us
0: so
2: how do how does what does that look like Beverly when you let go of your identity and then what's the result
1: well number one, it's just a step by step process of beginning to recognize number one what is our judgment, what are we how do we judge people uh, what where what are we angry at? We become what we defend against, and all of that in other words we we start. By re- realizing, number one, we all have on a mask, and that mask is to – it's kind of our defense system, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, I'm i am a this or I'm a that or whatever.
0: The it, labels.
1: It, it's a label. It's an identity. And we all have some sort of identity, and, of course, it's always changing. And, but the more we can adapt to that shift and that change and allow it to happen, then the more we will be opening to our spirit, because every time we don't take our identity serious, we can say, sure, it's there, I've got to do this and that and whatever, but it doesn't... Define me. And what I find is, hmm, what am I judging? What am I, you know, and that just tells me that I still have some threads of hanging on to wanting to be right or this is who I think I am. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And as we become aware of it, you don't push it under the rug. We just develop an awareness of it. Allow it to come up, you know, and uh, you know, I like. I say, you know, uh, on the highway, you know, uh, a bully comes up on the highway, and uh, and I say, you better watch out, you know, for me or whatever, you know, in my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm thinking, oh, thank you, bully. You just bought out the bully in me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's Beverly. Other- let- Let's just turn this
2: now towards when Ulf had his got his diagnosis, got a new label, dementia, Alzheimer's. Can you yeah, honestly yeah. tell us uh, you're now hanging out with people who wrote what is now one of the the most well known texts of spirituality, of course, in miracles. You're hanging out with these people, but now your husband is diagnosed with dementia. How did you yeah. initially take that, and did it change your perspective on it? Change over time.
1: Well, uh, you know, what happened is. Uh, the thing about Ulf and I is that um, we, one reason we, I think we were attracted, or I was attracted to him, was his openness to learn about the unknown and to explore lessons we both wanted to learn, such as how we become who we think we are. And all of this, and he loved reading Eckhart Tolle and stuff, so mm. we went to this diagnosis, if you would, with a common language between us, which was helpful. And also, a willingness to explore, so as an observer, certainly, I I noticed he was having some glitches and stuff, and finally I said, um, oh, would you mind uh, being tested? Uh No, I don't mind. You know, he was open. Uh That's what was so good about him. And then she said, you know, he could be going into dementia when she got the test. And then, of course, I'm always a researcher, and Ulf was tall and thin, and then I discovered uh, he had sleep apnea. I didn't understand. He didn't snore or anything, but he would gasp for breath. So I got him in the first program at Stanford University correlating sleep apnea with dementia, because mm-hmm. if you have sleep apnea, you're not getting oxygen to your brain at night,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's dangerous. Three doctors wrote in the addendum of my book. So, in other words, I was exploring all different things, not to necessarily fix something, mm-hmm. but I was exploring, and so then finally we moved to California, because I, as as he was um, less and less able, like he he couldn't drive or anything, and he willingly gave up driving. You know, I didn't have. Yeah, that's struggle. a tough
2: moment. I know from interviewing exactly. so many that was one of the hardest things everybody always faces because it's like symbolic of losing your freedom and that's something you have to really admit this is this is life changing.
1: Exactly, and so, but he was willing to do because I said, "Oh, I'm." if there's anything I know you don't want, is to have an accident and hurt someone. And Mm -hmm. that sealed it for him. Absolutely not. I don't want to do that. And so Ulf was willing to, um, because of our relationship and the work that we had done and the things we had explored, for some reason it was okay with him. We moved to California uh, because uh, I thought if something happens to me, he has to be near his daughter. You know, Mm -hmm. near somebody who can take care of him. But so I I really, uh, and I think once we got here, beautiful, beautiful view. He felt totally free and open, even though he couldn't walk down the street and find the house coming back kind of thing. But he could bathe himself, he could dress, he could, you know, he could physically take care of himself. But he opened to a kind of a a new world. But the the fact that he would allow himself to open, I think, because we always bring to our experiences, you know, our journey, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And... I know with, um, in fact, we had just moved here, and a friend called and said, Beverly, I'd like to come by, uh, you know, to say hello or something. And I said, sure. And she was in the area, happened to be in the area. And I would known her in Sedona. She came in. We sat on the patio, and she listened to all. She says, Beverly, you should write this stuff down. He's coming out yeah. with some beautiful stuff. And I okay, want to yeah. share
2: a lot of those beautiful things that he came out with in the second part of this show. I've dog-eared your book like crazy, and just going back <laughs> to it today, I literally said out loud, oh, my, and Ty said, what? And I said, oh, it's just something that this man said, even in dementia, and I want to share. I'm going to, If you'll allow me, when we come back after the break, I'm going to just open up to some of the dog-eared parts and sh- share them and let you comment okay, on yeah, them. But it's funny.
1: truly – Uh, And Linda said, you need a blog. I said, what's a blog? She went in, set me up with a blog because she's high tech, went back out, and she says, Beverly, you know I talk to angels, and they've been begging me to come visit you. Wow. I said, really? Yeah, and I kept putting it off, and they kept bothering me, so I came. And after I started doing the blog, it became very cathartic. And then okay. I called her. I said, "Linda, I think I know why the angel sent you." <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: well,
1: again, it, it, was, it
2: helped you, it was, but other people as well. Now, because you documented it all—the journey, your as you called it, your timeless year—in your the name of your book, and yeah. it's it's a love story, but it's not all perfect either. I mean, there's a there's a part so, here. I think I. Mark this yeah. here that you you said the the diagnosis. There were times you would stop in the middle of a grocery aisle and begin to cry. The grief of seeing the person you dearly love slowly disappear is heart wrenching. So we're not going to paint this as you know you're spiritual. So you had this totally positive experience. It was definitely exactly, challenging.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and see, he would allow. He knew he could come say anything or do anything because. You know, I wouldn't spank his hand, so to speak, or I wouldn't say he's crazy or, you know, but we we would go with it. And, uh, you know, I just, um, uh, just like his his thing on anger and peace are, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, that he was going to, uh, he had this big surprise for me. and But all of these stories that I, I'll share with you are. Uh, I don't know how your timing goes after the break. Well, we just it's,
2: have we have less than a minute till the break right now. So okay. what I love is that you were both well versed in Eckhart Tolle, who many people will know, wrote the Power of Now, and that you found yourself living in the present moment, which is all that people with Alzheimer's can do is just be here now.
1: Exactly, and and I told off. I said, Ulf, you're getting enlightened." <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> Not the person I used to be, you know no, 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 you know, and uh I said, I think that's called enlightenment, <laughs> so I said, maybe we have to redefine what is dementia, <laughs> you know i I mean that's, that's so. actually
2: quite brilliant, and when people hear on when we come back after the break, some of the things that he came out with it's is truly stunning, and it is enlightened, and it's because he got the human conditioning out of the way and was tuning into his heart.
1: isn't that interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so so we're uh, talking with Beverly Hamilton, and she is the author of Our Timeless Year, Miracles of Love Lighten the Clouds of Dementia, and her website is OurTimelessYear.com. Is your blog still there? No. No, it's not there. All right, well, we're going to talk more about the book when we come back from the break, and I know it's going to touch your heart, so we'll talk to you all in just a few minutes.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman.
2: Well, hi, everybody. Like I said, a different show this week, talking with Beverly Hamilton, whose husband all passed from dementia, but we're talking about the spiritual insights that came out As His Heart Opened More. Uh, Because this is a show about life going on after death, we will be talking to Beverly later in this half hour about how Ulf has communicated with her since he passed. But first, Mm -hmm. Beverly, what I found so beautiful about Ulf is his beautiful heart, his beautiful personality. You really wrote Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. showed that in the writing. But one of my favorite things was the way he approached other people and absolutely disarmed them with that personality after he had dementia? Many times you can tell there's something not quite right with somebody and we might kind of, in our human ways, step back or feel awkward. But tell us how he would disarm people.
1: Well, number one, he kept saying he had this energy going through him and he says, I have to share it i have to share it. So we'd go to the park or to the store or whatever, and then we would, on the park, we'd be walking by some woman with a dog, and he'd say, oh, that dog looks uh, very happy, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and she would smile, and then he'd walk on, and he says, see, that's what I do. I send them the energy to remind them of the energy that's in them. And the smile then is what what uh, does it you know clicks yeah. it for him and but that's what he he had this energy and I and I
2: that's thought, that's our life force that's love I mean I would read this and say well yeah but this is what most people don't realize that it's our gift to the world it's what we have to share and once his defenses were gone because yeah. of the dementia he ah. felt that. He felt it, and he had to share it with people.
1: You know, and the thing is, it was real, you know. And uh, he, in fact, he was saying, um, one time he he was just saying, uh, Beverly, would you give me God's phone number? I'm going to call him <laughs> up. And I'm saying, oh, let's see. How, how do I frame somebody, you know, like all the indigenous people who have symbols that recognize, you know, symbolize God? And uh, and I'm thinking, let's see. Okay, I'll, I said, see that lamp there? You can't see the electricity going up, it, but you can see the light when you turn it on. Oh, I said, maybe that energy that comes through you, maybe that's God's way of talking to you. <laughs> of that energy you feel, and then you go share it. Now, when we get angry or fearful, then we unplug the lamp. You know, and that's what happens. Like other words, he said that. That's one of the gems
2: from the book that I I just saw today when I was going back over my dog-eared pages. That he one time (laughs) caught himself getting angry with the dementia, and he he realized his anger was like unplugging the lamp. That's what you're saying, right?
1: Yeah, and and what happened? A little while later, he got upset about something, and he says, "I think I just unplugged my lamp." <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but he would come up with things like that, you know, and and and. But that's how I would communicate with him. I would frame it in such a way that he could relate to it, and then. Um, but you know, one time, you know, he would be angry and. And anger was not something he normally had in his life. He didn't express it. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, a lot of us have anger and, you know, are upset or whatever. But a lot of times we mask it. And then when we start taking the mask off, boom, out comes the stuff we haven't dealt with, which is fine. Just let it up and out. Don't try to... Say, oh, that makes don't make yourself guilty. Just say, mm-hmm. oh, see, hey, I'm I'm getting rid of that. In fact, at one point, I called it, uh, you know, that's just your little barking dog, you know.
0: And, mm-hmm.
1: and so, but he would he would have to, um, um and I said, okay, all. Well, now let's play a game. Pretend you're angry, and he doubled up his fist and. Like he was gonna box, and I said, "How do you feel?" He says, "I feel powerful." I said, hmm. "How do you want to feel?" Oh, I want to be peaceful, and and I said, "Okay, now who do you think wants you to be peaceful?" Oh, that's God, and I said, "Who do you think wants you to be powerful?" Oh, that's my ego, and I right. said, "Oh." The only decision any of us make, and and so I put him like we were all in this together, Mm -hmm. is which voice am I going to listen to? And that is our primary choice in life, is which voice are we going to listen to? And
2: And, he could could understand what you were saying. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He says, well, I want to listen to God's voice, you know. I said, well. You know, you just do whatever happens, but just recognize if the ego is talking, directing you, just become aware of it. And at that moment, make another choice. That's it. You know, don't make yourself guilty or wrong. We all have to do this. And see, we're... this
2: this is why this show is not just about dementia. It's not just for caregivers of dealing with people who yeah. have dementia. This is life advice for all of us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly learned a lot. I tell you, you know, he, he was my teacher.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but you can see all of us listening know that you're a blessing to him. I've, I've opened to a page here where I wrote goosebumps on the page. You finally had to take to a place for daycare for seniors, just to give yourself a break. uh And that's really wise for caregivers. And Ulf wanted to know why he's there with all these old people. Do you remember the instance where he saw the woman who had lost her ability to show any facial expression?
1: To have an affect, yeah. And I had told him when he says, what am I here? Because I was doing this because, number one, I wanted him to get used to being in another environment again in case something happens to me. Mm-hmm. You know, other words, I, I want to do a practice run, so to speak. And so I said, "Well, you know, <clears throat> I think uh, God has hired you to come and help these people." Oh, okay. Well, then that was okay with him. <laughs> and so, but it was a beautiful center garden and everything. And and there was one point where they had a little music, and then people would come and sit around and and because uh, they also had a live in. Facility. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing this woman many times on, in a wheelchair, beautifully dressed every day, beautifully dressed. So somebody dressed her up, but she had no affect. She couldn't mm-hmm. move her face. And and then Ulf was going around telling people, Oh, the color looks good on you, et cetera. And he'd get them to smile. And then he went up to her, and I thought, Oh, my God. What's he going to do? You know, hmm. is he going to ask why she isn't smiling or whatever? And he said, I know you're smiling inside. Hmm. And she, she started blinking her eyes. It's oh. kind of like
0: hmm.
1: somebody finally sees it.
2: Oh, there's the goosebumps again. There they are again. Her eyes danced as she realized someone had finally noticed I know no. you're smiling inside. Oh, do you guys have the same goosebumps as I do right now? And yeah. he saw that. Why can't we see that in each other, huh? And, wow. and he didn't
1: think it of himself as being special. He was just hmm. sharing. He, he was, was just being sharing. himself. Like hmm. he said, all he's doing is reminding them of the energy that's already in them. It's not that he was even giving them special energy. He was reminding them of what was already there, nice. which I thought is very insightful in the big picture, that yeah. he wasn't making himself special.
2: So I just opened to Chapter 13 here. Uh, the title is I Don't Understand, and I had starred here that uh, – as his busy thoughts have quieted and his comprehension of words has simplified, Ulf is experiencing more of a loving presence within himself. Want to comment mm-hmm. on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, uh, and he, uh, and he accepted it. In other words, he, um, but again, these things would come and go. You know, and he would say, um, like one time he just said, uh, we were having lunch. And he's looking out at the view and all, and he said, oh, I have something to tell you. And he was so proud of himself. And I said, what? He said, I'm going to kill myself. I and, I remember said, oh? and I took another bite, and I said, how are you going to do it? Oh my! I'm going to swim out to sea and not come back. And I thought, I said, "Well, that'll do it." <laughs> I said, "You know, that's like," and he was so proud of himself that he had thought through something, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know he he was in charge, right? And I said, "Oh, there's only one problem: you don't drive, and we're an hour from the coast." And <laughs> and he thought, "Oh, God." And he looked like, oh, shit, I didn't think of everything, you know. <laughs> and then he barked up, and he said, I know. He looked in his wallet, took it out of his pocket, opened it up, and we belong to the Neptune Society. And he says, these guys will take me out. <laughs> and I said, oh, you have to be dead first. <laughs> <laughs> For burials at sea yeah and and when he finally got to Neptune when he finally ended up there, I told him that story. I said, "I would have loved to have heard that phone call. <laughs> would you guys take me out and drop me at sea?
2: Wow, <laughs> uh, you and, know what I love about your wisdom is that you did what caregivers so often forget to do is you just met him where he was. You didn't constantly correct him and tell him the way he should be thinking because you just went, you flowed with what his mind was doing instead of making him
1: feel bad about it. It just like just flowing. And, and you know, I don't think we realize how important that is. Uh, Like, after my book came out, you know, one of the people called me whose husband was going into dementia. He says, Barely, he sees our dead animals. Mm. Like, it's really going crazy, you know. No. And I said, no. I said, you, say, you tell him that you are so glad that he can see them and that they're here. I said, go with him.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, who's to say he isn't seeing them now that the filter exactly. of the brain is loosening? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and you, so- I'm looking right here in your book. You say how strange that we make the judgment that he is the one losing his mind when the more he <laughs> lets go and flows, he's actually experiencing more of a loving presence within himself. Wow.
1: Yeah, and, and that's when I look at this whole thing, you know, and like in my book, the blog actually starts at the second part, and it was never edited or anything. This just flowed, stuff I wrote about. The publishers had me go back and write How how We Met and all that stuff, you know, the past. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not a good writer. Like, I write totally in the present moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why writing this was so cathartic for me, but also... I think when we go through anything, you know, it's kind of like finding, uh, finding the things that are, uh, especially like during the pandemics and everything, what are the things that bring out our creativity, bring out our best in us, you know, during a time when we think everything's and, you know, we have a lot of fear and da-da-da and all this. And how do you find the beauty in it? And I was just saying, gee, your husband's going into dementia. That's a pandemic if there's nothing you know else you can call it. And yet it, we turned it into something beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful time.
2: Well, I just opened now. Here's a picture of him sitting all comfortable in front of the fireplace holding this teddy bear, looking into oh, its yeah. eyes with so much love. And you wrote, you know, we lose touch with our innocence very early in life, yet as we let go of the the barriers that we learn to put up, yeah. we get back to that innocence. you want to talk about that, the well, teddy
1: bear? Uh, yeah, well— we were at the store, and uh, and he went over. And he he says, "I've got to have this." I, and he was hugging it, you know. And he knew it, and I and I had love on it. And I said, "Oh, okay, great." You know, and yeah. Instead uh, of saying no, you don't need that, or you're a grown man, you just go with it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and and. Uh, you know and uh, teddy became his new best friend <laughs> and he would send love to him and he would you know other words it it became you know a beautiful thing for him and uh in fact i'm looking at, at teddy now as we speak <laughs>
0: oh no teddy
1: the um uh but uh, one of the most beautiful things i loved was if it, it was you know, we moved here on his birthday. He died a year later on his birthday.
2: On his birthday, then yeah,
1: wow. Yeah, and then if this was New Year's, his birthday was in uh, April twenty seventh. So this was New Year's, and I had a fire in the fireplace and candle lights and nice dinner and all out, and I had the TV on but no sound. And we were sitting down. He said, Beverly, why is the TV on? I said, well, that's going to be Times Square. It's New Year's. Duh. Like, and, you know, and I, oh, God, I've yeah. got to educate him. So I went and got the calendar, and I said, now we're going from one year to the next, and da-da-da. Pretty soon, he said, Beverly, come sit down. And he took my hand. He looked into me with his beautiful eyes. He said, Beverly, am I sitting here holding your hand? Is the only time there is. And I thought, Hmm. you can't make that up. I mean, this just flowed out of it. Like, if he ever defined in the moment, that was it. (laughs) Beautiful.
2: Well, he, he was ill and had to go into the hospital, but you actually felt it when he passed, didn't
1: you? Well, what happened is... They gave him some sort of med. I didn't want to give him any meds or anything because I wanted to know where he was at, you know. And um, But that's always the first thing they try to do. So anyway, he was at the daycare, and he had a little reaction to a med they had given him. And, uh, and so they said, oh, you should take him to emergency. And he was just having a hard time uh, uh, walking, but it Soon got better, but anyway, I took him. To, I said okay, so I took him to ER. they took him. They strapped him down, put him in a bed, and just and left me out there. Other words, separated us. I mean, mm-hmm. did everything that would be bad for him, and they ended up putting him in in the hospital. And don't ask me why, you know, because yeah. they drugged him up immediately. Anyway, he was there about five days, and I'd go visit, and he got a hospital infection. And that's what eventually took him out. But before they did, they sent him to hospice, and I was in a hotel right next to hospice. And and it was just past midnight on his birthday, and I'd been working on the blog and talking to some folks on the phone and all. And so then... Um, I heard him say, uh, Beverly, you better get dressed because they're going to be calling you. Huh. And I thought, oh, my God, he's leaving. You know, I did. So let's just I, make
2: sure that everybody hearing this understands. You heard that in your head, but from him. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just in my head. I mean, I, mean, I just and I just oh, OK. I mean, And it literally I dressed. And within five minutes, I was over there. I walked in, and they said, oh, we were just going to call you to tell you that he had passed. Wow. <laughs> so, but clearly not gone. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it was so funny. And and uh, it, it's kind of like um, uh, and then when I got – he never knew I was doing the blog. And so – When I finally got home, uh, whenever I did, and I walked into the office and all, and I heard him say, I know what you've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've been writing about him, right, you know. Yeah, and this is what I was just
2: talking about in an interview I did yesterday where where people were concerned that their loved ones know what's going on in their lives once they pass, and (laughs) yeah, they do. They
1: suddenly (laughs) see all so I yeah. started laughing out loud. I mean, I couldn't quit laughing because it was so clear that he knew what all I had been doing.
2: But what a joy here. Your your husband has just passed and yet you're laughing.
1: Hmm. Exactly. And and then Judy Scott, you know, of course, a miracle scout because we're buddies still to this day. We're buddies. And hmm. um, she had sent me a tape recorder and she said, Beverly do some taping of some of the things he sent. Oh, okay. Well, it's kind of a fancy little thing you put on the computer and all that. I tried to do it, and I thought, you know, I I think I'm keep erasing this stuff or whatever. And anyway, I ended up just putting it away, you know, because it was just too much for me to deal with, my little head. And so a while after he had left, I'm sitting on the sofa. He says, "Beverly, go find that recorder." <laughs> and I said, "I don't know where it is." <laughs> I, mean, I literally answered <laughs> huh. He says, "Well, you go find it and download it." Well, I I did. I came in, looked around, and found it and downloaded. Had forty five beautiful minutes of him talking. Oh, nice! That I didn't know was there. I thought it was erased. Huh. And and that is on my blog, uh, on my uh, website. <laughs> his recordings about love or anger or whatever. Oh, great! And I wouldn't have even known it existed. I couldn't. Have, it took me a while to even find the recorder because it's a well, little one. Clearly, and,
2: he saw uh, it from across the veil and knew the importance and how it would help other people. So I just love that. Love it.
1: And and to go in and hear his voice. He had a beautiful voice. You know, and but it would be so uh, – and, of course, it was a full moon when he left. And so I'd say, okay, Alf, I said, no, I don't want any drama, but you, um, you know, give me any message. So I went out. And the first time I'd taken a picture of a full moon, and this was the month after uh, the next full moon. So I went click, 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 downloaded it, and I said, what's wrong with this one? It was hmm. in the shape of a heart.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I
2: love when those things happen. How did, wow. How
1: did I do that? How, how did that? I just went click, click, you know. And yep. But I, I would talk to, I said, well, now off. I, I want you to know you don't have to hang around here and take care. You know, I hope you have more fun stuff to do there. <laughs> and, uh, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's always uh, – no, i literally heard him.
2: but yeah. um, And I just want to assure everybody, if they want to hang around with us, and that's what they do, and they just love being with us. Well, we just have a couple minutes now before the end of the show already. Wow. But for the people yeah. who are listening who may be dealing with a loved one with dementia, what's the most important thing you'd like to share with them before we have to end the show?
1: Who, who are what? Uh, Anybody who's
2: dealing with a loved one with dementia, the most important thing to share with them.
1: The thing is, realize that not to make a judgment on the diagnosis, whatever it is. See, And that's just like what I learned in dealing with kids. I think when I took the judgment away, it shifted the energy. And I think... When I just saw also somebody going through a change, you know, and I didn't make a judgment on it. I think it shifts the energy. I think if you just almost superhuman
2: to to not react like that, I give you a lot of credit.
1: Well, it's it's something that well, or if you do react, pay attention to it. And say, oh, this is about me, not that person. My reaction is my defense system. See, like, Mm -hmm. because we all want to feel we have the answers. We all want to feel we're in charge or whatever. And a lot of times when people go into this and, you know, the mask comes off if you're in dementia, a lot of times the anger will come out because it's been it hasn't been dealt with. And yeah. so it depends on the person, the relationship. But like one time with, oh I said, Oh that's you know, you have a little barking dog in there and uh, sometimes it just wants out, you know, and but um but other well, words Well,
2: Beverly it's I, it's just very clear that you you're training in a Course in Miracles, your training as a therapist gave you beautiful tools to help you both through that totally with love. And I thank you for sharing that with us today as we run out of time, but I hope that everybody has picked up some tools just for life in general. And we thank you so much.
1: But you're a sweetheart for
2: having me on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure. Bye-bye everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you back next time.